Wednesday, May 6th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and I'm joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Uh, Paul, we're, uh, we're going to be hooking up here soon with Greg Allen, Indians outfielder. Uh, he's out in Arizona, and we'll have a chance to talk to him. Uh, just really looking forward to Greg because he's, he's always a great interview and always such a, such a, one of the nicest guys you'll talk to in the Indians clubhouse. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's, uh, he's always smiling. Uh, you know, he came up as a center fielder, but, you know, he's, he's, he's really improved in right and left field. He can play all three now. He can run. He's a great defender. You're just waiting for that, that, that offensive kind of element to come together for him. Yeah, uh, certainly. He had a, a sort of a, a little bit of an up and down season in, in 2019. Uh, Might have been the, the the word that Tito used was miscast. He, he didn't really have that uh, you know defined role uh, on, on the club, and they they had him hitting against pretty much only right-handers. I, I think throughout the entire uh, you know first portion of the season. Uh, so hopefully there's it's a crowded outfield, a crowded situation, but hopefully there's a uh, a situation that works for him and he's able to get in there and, and be productive for the, the club at some point this year. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I, I, it would be good to talk to him about, you know, the Indians are getting, you know, Indians and baseball are getting closer to, it sounds like a season and, you know, just how the Indians are going to cope with uh, playing in front of uh, empty ballparks. If, you know, if that's how the season starts and it sounds like it will, and just uh, what kind of advantage they can make out of that. Well, We'll, uh, we'll have to ask Greg all about that. When we come back, we'll be joined by Greg Allen here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. And we are joined by Cleveland Indians outfielder Greg Allen. Greg, uh, great to talk to you. Uh, how are you getting by on the isolation? Where have you been hanging out? Who you been, uh, have you been able to, to do any workouts? Or what's, what's been getting you through the, the uh, quarantine here? Yeah, I've uh, actually been able to stay pretty productive. Um, so fortunately, uh, out here in Arizona, uh, the restrictions are a little less. You have a little more freedom. Um, so still been able to go and work out um, only a couple times a week in small groups, but uh, better than nothing. Uh, and then also there's facilities open for um, it's been improved so far. Great. Uh, have, have you been able to, like, we talked to Jordan Luplo, and, and he's hanging out with a couple of ex-teammates from the Pirates. Have you been able to, to get with any, uh, you know, or are you rooming with anybody or working without? Out with anybody from the team? Yeah, so right now I'm living with Daniel Johnson. Um, <laughs> so me and DJ have been together at, at a place out in Arizona, yeah. Um, so he's who I do most of my workouts with, uh, or even the baseball stuff, throwing, hitting, stuff like that. So, um, And then we're actually working out with a few other guys from, from some different organizations as well when we're going into these facilities. Greg, have you uh, – it, it sounds like do – you, do you have a feeling that – uh, things are start some gaining momentum toward you know spring training too maybe and and perhaps a season here. Yeah, I think we're optimistic towards that. Um, obviously, you know nothing has been really finalized yet, but um, I think you know you know the union and MLB are starting to lay the groundwork to, to hopefully get baseball back up and running, um, and hopefully have games here sooner rather than later. What what's your kind of ideal? What would be your ideal spring training to how long would it be? And then when would you get into the season? It depends. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, ideally in a, you know, best case scenario in a perfect world, we could be playing baseball by tomorrow, you know, but uh, unfortunately it's just not as realistic as we'd like. So 
Um, a lot of the buildup is, 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 I think, mainly to get guys back in, back in you know, everyday game shape, um, get pitchers, uh, you know, up to par with where they feel like they're going to be, you know, healthy and sustainable. Um, so that's the biggest part. So, you know, whether that's, you know, three weeks, four weeks, uh, you know, I think that length of time is just kind of going to depend on what's going to be best for everyone as a whole um, across the board for all 30 teams to make sure that their guys are healthy and ready to go. Have you thought about mm-hmm. what it would be like playing in a, an empty stadium, whether it's a, a spring training stadium or, you know, progressive field with, you know, making plays and looking up and, and not seeing any <laughs> not there. reactions? Yeah. Um, it would be a little different. Uh, it kind of, you know, in a way it takes you back to, um, even sometimes at the minor league levels, people don't really realize it, but, um, spring training, for instance, or even, you know, some guys who are in extended spring training or in the Arizona league, the, the rookie ball league. Um, sometimes you're playing games where, you know, outside of, you know, your team, your organization, people, you know, charting in the staff, there may be a handful of fans in the stands. Um, um, uh, but, but again, you're playing on some backfields where, you know, there really isn't access to be able to watch those games. There's no stands behind, behind the outfield, you know, fences. So, um, can't say I really had too much of an opportunity to play in a full stadium with nobody there. <laughs> um, but, uh, like I said, it'll probably be a little more, um, you know, uh, similar to some of those minor league games early on where you're not getting very many visitors. The, uh, you know, we were talking to some, some people with the Indians and they said, one of the things they, they've, they're maybe stressing to the players is how to handle that. And maybe, maybe you make that work to your advantage and, and uh, you know, get off to a fast start where maybe some, some, t- some players, you know, some teams might be, you know, kind of negatively affected by that. Yeah, I think, you know, that's been an ongoing theme. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't speak on what the other 29 teams and, you know, what their, what their, what their organizations have been talking about. But I know for us, um, I think we see this whole thing as a way to gain a competitive advantage just based on our mindset coming into it. Um, you know, everyone is in a similar boat uh, to where we're kind of dealing with these uncertain times and uh, just trying to do the best that we can um, to put ourselves in a good position um, once we do have the ability to play. Uh, so I think, you know, there's two ways to, you know, look at things, whether the glass is half empty or half full. Um, but the better that we can do as a team, as a whole, um, to get ourselves in the right kind of, you know, frame of mind and that mindset, uh, to where we, again, we see it as a challenge, something that we can, we can embark and, and, and take on together. Um, and in doing that, you know, hopefully find ourselves ahead of the competition. Let's uh, let's take a few uh, minutes here just to, to go back and, and look at last season. Uh, you know, for you, um, 89 games you, you appeared in, uh, hit 229, four home runs, uh, 27 RBIs. You know, numbers notwithstanding and, and, and all that. Uh, there were some real – if you look back over the highlight reel of plays from the Indian season overall, you know, you're all over that with, with some of the – just some of the best defensive plays. And, uh, you know, you go back to the even the – the game where you guys hit six home runs in Yankee Stadium, uh, you were part of that parade too. So I just wanted to, to highlight a few of these. Um, uh, September 18th, uh, Kristen Stewart rounding third base. Uh, take us through that play where where you wind up uncorking the 100.8 mile per hour throw, the the fastest in the in the bigs last year. Um, yeah, you know that's again just I think a situation where you're kind of just in the moment. 
Um, I think it was a pretty close game at that point. Savali was throwing where uh, their guy on the mound was keeping us down pretty well. So uh, runs at a premium, uh, really just trying to do the best I can to make the play. Uh, kind of had a shallow blooper there that fell in, was able to kind of catch it on one hop, gain some momentum. And really, I just thought about trying to throw the ball as hard as I could, uh, keep it relatively close to my target. So um, Roberto made a phenomenal pick, by the way, uh, which which is – he made it look a whole lot easier than than, than what that play really is. But, uh, again, just kind of one of those things where everything lines up. Um, and I think more, more than anything, just happy to get the out. You just – you had an opportunity to sort of charge that ball a little bit because it was a – it was one yes. of those soft liners, and and so yeah. the, the momentum you were able to generate in that, uh, you know, uh, did did any of the teammates say anything about you know the, the big arm after that? It, it, yeah, to us when, so, when they said the stat cast, it was like wow, one hundred eight miles, one hundred point eight miles an hour. <laughs> uh, so during the game, I really didn't think too much of it. Um, I came in a dugout. And I think uh, Roberto was just like, man, you threw that ball pretty hard. I was like, <laughs> I just tried to throw it as hard as I could. Uh, but didn't really hear about any of the stat cast info until after the game uh, when a couple of the guys mentioned it. So at first, I, I really, I don't know if I believed it totally, but then had a chance to see it myself. And I was like, oh, well, I guess so. Uh, September 8th at Minnesota. That's the the catch that really, I, I know Paul was there and, and, and saw it, but uh, uh, Luis arrives from Minnesota. It's the, the eighth inning, uh, I think, um, basically the the ball he's a left-handed hitter you're playing in left field and that ball he hits it and it's over your head uh you know yeah. just take us through what what you did to, to make that catch it was very reminiscent of the uh the Willie Mays catch uh over the shoulder uh in, in that situation <laughs> yeah so uh so he had been given his problems I think since his call-up as he probably did for most teams um tremendous hitter good bat to ball skills uh, so about that series, I think, you know, especially late, late in counts. And I think Han was the one on the mound at the time. So lefty mm-hmm. and lefty, uh, usually a tougher matchup for him. Um, so because of that, you know, playing left field, um, I was kind of, kind of shaded a little more shallow and probably even, uh, you know, a, a little more towards the line, um, just to kind of take that away from him. But he was able to get some decent bear on the ball that took him back towards the wall. Uh, and I found myself, like you said, kind of, you know, back to the, back to the infield, doing mm-hmm. the best I can to try and check it down. Uh, but again, I think, you know, more than anything, just, just, just trying to do all I can to make a play. Um, and sometimes you're, you're not in the most ideal positions, uh, but you do the best you can just to uh, find the ball and hopefully find it in the glove. Yeah. That was the, uh, the first out of that, that inning uh, in the ninth with yeah. the hand. And uh, you got up. You were you were pretty pumped when you. Uh, I I went back and watched the video <laughs> before we, we talked here today, and you were a little excited about that. Uh, last last <laughs> last one I'll mention. Uh, uh, April fifteenth, uh, Jackie Robinson Day. You guys are in Seattle. You guys are wearing the forty two uh, on your jerseys, and Danny Otero's on the mound. Eighth inning. You guys have a one run lead. Ryan Healy steps up. Uh, you know what happens next. Yeah, so was in right field that day, um, and actually I've only had a chance to play, you know, uh, at the Mariners' place a couple times, so it was still kind of getting used to that field. But um, again, kind of late in the ball game, ball sitting in the gap, uh, and it was sit pretty well, but even from a right-handed batter going to that opposite field gap, uh, so just tried to, you know, run and track it down the best I could, not knowing really as I was uh, getting there if I'd have a chance to make a play. Um, kind of had a last-minute sprawl there. Mm-hmm. Uh, was able to track it down. 
had Leonis in center field who, who seemed pretty excited about it too. So <laughs> it's, was uh, that was definitely the, a fun play to be a part of. Was that the extent of about as, about as far and fast and, and laying out as you could go? Because it looked like you used every inch of your glove to catch that ball. Every probably inch of my glove, my body, kind of all I had. I think I, uh, yeah, I just kind of had to give it all I had there. Like I said, it was more kind of a last-ditch, last-scrawl effort uh, to hopefully see if something could happen. Well, we see. By the way, by the way, on that, on that. So, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Dan Otero who actually gifted me with a nice little bottle of wine. Uh, following oh yeah, that catch for him. So, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, that was a class act out of him. Definitely appreciate that. Wow, that is that is nice. You get a, a free bottle of wine for making a catch. That's <laughs> yeah. very nice. But hey, Greg, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Greg, we we were talking to Adam Plutko, and he had mentioned, you know, that. All players are anxious to play, but, you know, they're kind of – you guys and, the, you know, the coaches and the staff are really kind of, you know, taking you're, – you're on the front line with this – with this the coronavirus. And I was wondering, you know, are you does, – does that worry you at all, you know, going back to playing and maybe, you know, exposing yourself uh, to this virus? Um, I mean, that's definitely an element and – you know, kind of an inherent risk that uh, uh, you would pretty much be assuming kind of coming in. But at the same time, um, I think there's also a, a, a great amount of trust um, among the league and the officials and the people who are going to be implementing um, um, the different measures uh, to keep everybody safe, safe and healthy. And this goes for the players, the staff, um, you know, anyone else who would have access to, to, to the stadium and to the facilities, um, families included. So, um, I think that's kind of been, you know, one of the biggest hurdles that they're trying to deal with in getting the season up and going. Um, it's just the logistics of it all. And a lot of it goes, you know, into the testing and making sure that everyone's staying safe. We obviously want to get sports back um, and kind of get back to some normality, but uh, want to do so without, you know, really putting, you know, you know, everyone at you know, risk that they don't need to take. So, um, again, yeah, that's that's definitely part of it, and I think we would be kind of assuming those risks, but at the same time, there's a lot of trust that I think uh, they'll have the right measures in place to where um, it'll you know limit really the risk that we can take. When uh, when you guys do finally get back between the lines and and you're you're playing ball, obviously, then you know the situation with the Indians with ten outfielders in camp or ten outfielders on on the the forty man roster. I mean, obviously, we have to bring it up because it. It's it, it it's not fun to think about, but you've got guys that you've got to beat out to get a spot on this opening day roster. It's true, yeah. I mean, uh, regardless of how you want to look at it, uh, it's a competitive market. Whether it's with the Indians or with the twenty nine other teams, um, there's a limited number of jobs or spots, and and there's. Uh, a decent amount of supply, uh, you know, to have guys fill the role. So, um, but even looking at our, you know, specific situation, um, it's competitive. I mean, even from, you know, the trades and guys that we've acquired, guys that we've gotten through free agency, guys that um, have came up through the organization, um, and even guys not on the 40, man, you'd be surprised. It's a very competitive group, um, which, you know, I think in my personal experience tends to make the guys who are involved in that even even better. Um, it just kind of forces you to rise to the occasion. Um, I don't really see it as a situation where, you know, you're, you're having a, you know, you know, leapfrog one over the other and everybody's kind of crawling to get to those one spots. Um, the camaraderie that we've built, 
even as an outfield group, even with, like you, like, like you said, the amount of guys that we've had, it's been fun. Um, just even in spring training for that limited time, just having a chance to be around those guys, learn from them, the old faces, the new faces. Um, it made things really interesting. Uh, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, again, these, these are decisions that, you know, we're not going to have the ability to control. The best that we can do is go out there and play our game. Uh, be the best type of player that we're able to be um, for the Indians and, you know, help that team win games. But, uh, you know, even with, you know, regardless of the way that the season shakes out, how things look, that expanded roster um, may give some guys some extra opportunities, but we'll see how things go. Where, where would you like to hold spring training? In Goodyear or, you know, the other plan is, I guess, to hold it at Progressive Field? Yeah, that's tricky. Um because again, I think they're, they're still trying to formulate a plan on what that would look like. Would it be just, you know, inner squads with, you know, each organization just kind of having their in-house spring training? Would you be playing other teams? Um, so depending on how that would look, um, you know, I don't think that being, that everyone playing it in their home stadium, if they're able to, would be a bad idea. Uh, uh, it limits travel. Uh, once you do start the season, ideally, instead of having everybody having to travel to Arizona or Florida and then having to travel back to wherever their home city is, um, it would limit travel and hopefully some of the risks associated with that. Um, allow guys to be able to settle in, you know, or give them more time to settle in wherever that home stadium is for them, their families included, kids, wives, girlfriends. Um, so I think that seems to be, you know, more of an ideal situation again. Um, there's probably a, a variety of variables that go into it, uh, stuff that I probably am not even thinking about the time. But um, uh, I think that that seems to be a popular opinion. Uh, not sure, again, if it's one that will you know, stand up. But um, especially with the weather now, I mean, if this was the beginning of the year, spring, some of these places you're not going to play in, in yeah. you know, March and February from the East Coast or even in Cleveland, you know. But now that we're getting like into the late spring, summer months, um, weather wouldn't be as big of a factor. All right. Uh, you know, what has been, what has being away from baseball just meant to you on a personal level? How much, how much do you miss the, I mean, I'm sitting here watching the Korea baseball league at, at five 30 in the morning, you know, because I'm, I'm jonesing for real live baseball that, that means something, not just replays. What, what's it meant to you on a personal level to just not have the opportunity to be able to play the game right now? It's given a lot of perspective. Uh, you know, obviously there's that cliche, uh, you don't know what you have till it's gone kind of thing. Um, again, we're optimistic that we're going to have sports and, you know, baseball back. But um, just just the fact that I can't think of the last time I've, I've, I've been, you know, at, at this point in the year, whether it's been from March on or now getting into May, where baseball hasn't been present or some part of my life in one way, shape, or form, whether it's playing games every day, uh, even watching as a kid or whatnot. So um, it's been different. It's given you a whole lot of perspective. And, and, and I think you, you, you grow to appreciate the bond that it's even created even more so in your life. Just uh, again, the teammates, the guys that you've you know, been around play, play with that you're not having a chance to interact with on a daily basis. Um, again, you just, you just don't realize kind of the effect and, 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 you know, the way that the baseball community as a whole um, has ingrained itself in your life and been mm -hmm. kind of a part of your everyday activities um, until we've kind of had this break and been in this unprecedented time and not had it around. So right. um, definitely makes you appreciate it. Uh, are you uh, are you ready to play into October regular <laughs> season games like like October fifteenth, twentieth, whatever? I'm, it is? 
I'm I'm ready to play as long as we need to. Um, and I think that's 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 the that's kind of the sentiment, uh, you know, for most of the guys. Um, we know that this season, uh, once it does get going, is 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 going to be unlike probably any other that we've seen or had a chance to be part of. Um, but I think even with that, uh, I think it's going to kind of give an opportunity for some newness uh, to hopefully be entertaining. Um, we're going to be probably doing things that um, you know we haven't really seen from 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 the major teams to. Um, the way that the divisions are going to be laid out, uh, the playoff format, what playoffs are going to look, neutral sites possibly, you know, you know, due to some of these things. So uh, it's definitely going to change the game dynamic, but I'm hoping it's going to be for the better. All right. Well, the, uh, the, the talk of the sports world in this sort of vacuum uh, for the last couple of weeks has really been uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, The Last Dance. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you and, you and DJ have been, been watching this uh, every Sunday night probably pretty intently. Are you excited beyond words to see this Sunday's episode seven that's probably going to feature Tito and, uh, and Barney pretty heavily? <laughs> so I actually personally haven't had a chance to keep up with it much. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media. Um, DJ just started watching, I think, the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I have some catching up on that to do. But it, it, I've, I've seen a lot of the feedback from – um, the viewers and even guys that I've been training with who have had a chance to watch it seems phenomenal. Um, so I might actually just have to take a day and just binge watch it all <laughs> just to get all caught up. But I did not know, I guess, that that that, that Tito and Barney uh, will be will be part of the next episode. So that should be interesting. Well, does it does it blow your mind that that Tito actually managed Michael Jordan when he played baseball? Is that yeah. something that you just want to like? So that's what I heard. Um, and I can't believe, and I can't remember who exactly initially that I had heard it from, uh, but uh, it, it actually, like I said, it just it just really makes you appreciate uh, the the resume that Tito has. I mean, you'd be surprised. Not only you know the past decade, even going back to the Red Sox, but like you said, he's had a chance to manage and be around, um, you know, just some top tier athletes across the board. So mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 definitely a, a a pretty fun connection to have. Right. Paul, you got anything else? No, that's it. I mean, Greg, I mean, how, how you play all over the place. You, you always have. And how is that hard just to get a grip on it, just to be able to play all three uh, positions or, you know, how do you stay mentally kind of just ready to do that? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, I think for me, kind of been a challenge that I've enjoyed taking on. Um, Originally coming up through college and even my first few years of pro ball, I played um, as I got to the upper levels, you know, you know, even from AAA on, especially at, at, at the major league level, um, you know, I was, I was, I was in a position where I was, you know, seeing opportunities on the field, but in order to do that, I was going to have to see him in, you know, all three positions. So uh, I, th- I really just kind of took that on myself and, you know, was fortunate to have a coaching staff who, who, who was able to help me through that process um, of just being comfortable in all three positions. And a lot of that goes into the preparation, um, batting practice, spring training, times where you're not in-game um, activity, being able to get reps and get yourself comfortable um, in each position. So, again, that's kind of been something that um, I've enjoyed, you know, having a chance to, uh, to work through in that whole process. And for me, it's fun just, just, just feeling like, again, like I, I have the the ability to kind of come in and whether it's left, center, right, um, feel comfortable being there. Is there anything you can carry over from 
spring training one to spring training two, or is it just you, you, you basically starting over from square one because it'll be maybe at least two months, you know, between, between. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I think, uh, you know, usually guys tend to set some kind of focus or goal um, as they're coming into spring, Um, you know, whether, whether it's things that they've taken in from the off season or just, you know, things that they're working on from the, the previous season, um, so even with, you know, that, that short, you know, first spring, there were still things that you're able to try and implement, um, um, and work on. Um, so you definitely don't lose sight of that, but at the same time, you know, it, it's been, it's been March since a lot of us have had the chance to be in game activity. So we're going on, you know, a little bit over a month, almost a month and a half. Um, so that part of it, just, you know, again, getting back into game speed, seeing pitches, that whole thing, uh, that, that's probably going to be the biggest adjustment for most. Uh, but, again, it's something that we're all kind of in, in the same boat dealing with. Well, excellent. Uh, Greg, we hope this is uh, sooner rather than later. And we, we hope that we, <laughs> we get to see you guys out there, uh, you know, real shortly as, as things progress um, through this Definitely. situation. But uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to join us here uh, on the podcast. And, uh, again, we'll, we'll look forward to, to hooking up with you, whether it's in Arizona or back here in Cleveland. Uh, real soon. Sounds Thanks, good. Appreciate you all having me. Absolutely.